my mentor, I appreciate our man of God and, and all his teachings and his mentorship over the years and entrusting me with the service in his absence. Amen. I'm going to be reading in the book of Proverbs chapter 12, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. If we feel comfortable in standing, can we stand to our feet to honor the word of God? that infallible word of God that means without error. It's consistent. Amen. Proverbs written by King Solomon himself, the wisest man ever, instead of his latter years. Well, that was a different story. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. But I want to read that first portion of this proverb. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Everybody say legacy. Everybody say legacy. Amen. If we feel comfortable in doing so tonight, can we put our Bibles down? Can we close our eyes and lift our hands one more time and just begin to speak to God for the remainder of this service? Amen. Can we just speak away distractions, speak away thoughts, speak away emotions, and let God just begin to move into this place tonight? Can we begin to lift our voice as a collective, as it was on the day of Pentecost, as they waited 10 days in the upper room for the promise of the Father, 10 days for the Holy Ghost to come into that particular room? Amen. Lord God of Jacob, we thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do here tonight in this place. We thank you for your word and your truth, and God bestowing this spiritual legacy upon us to carry to our children's children. Oh, Lord God, allow us to reflect here tonight. Allow us to operate in introspection and allow us, oh God, to refine our lives, oh God, to be what you expect of us. God, we lift up our man of God. Lord, as he's in Washington State, use him to preach, God, at the ACJC uh, Washington State Conference. And God, we pray, Lord, for traveling mercies for our pastor to come home. Lord, I bind and rebuke uh, every spirit of distraction in this place here tonight. And God, we speak into the atmosphere, power, love, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise here tonight? Oh, it is good to be in his house. I don't know about you, but I love the name of Jesus. I love the word of God. I love the precepts upon precept and line upon line. Oh, God, help us to learn and to grow in you here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to probably be drinking a little extra water here tonight, uh, fighting, as I said, a little respiratory myself. It could just be allergies or whatnot. Amen. But tonight I like to preach this particular thought, my personal legacy. My personal legacy. A legacy is important. As it says in Proverbs, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That means the next generation to the next generation. God has entrusted us to build up our own personal legacy. How are you to be remembered when every single one of us, because I'm here to give you a guarantee here tonight, 100% of us will taste death. We cannot escape it. I can't pay it off. I can't enhance my body to the point where I'm immortal. I am going to die. I am going to taste death. The angel of death is going to come for me one day. Unless the Lord comes in the next five minutes and calls his church home. Man, that would be awesome. But I've got to make sure I hear the calling. 
I've got to make sure that I am caught away in the rapture and not left behind. Because unfortunately that is going to be happening to a multitude of apostolics worldwide when that, ha when that day happens. It says that they're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But I believe just my personal thought, we don't know how it's going to happen. But those left behind will see the church leave. As Moses had to look from the, the country of Moab into a promised land that he never inherited, I believe that God will allow those left behind to see the church leave and be caught away with him in that eastern sky. Man, I don't want to be left behind when that time comes. But going back to our legacy, we're all going to taste death. We are all going to give up our last breath. This mortal coil, this fleshly body is going to give up my ghost. And I pray in Jesus' name, I hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But it's what I leave behind that's valuable. It's what I leave behind that matters. It's how I'm remembered that matters. What did I do? Because your memory will outlive you. How people remember you will outlive you. People will talk about you even after your death. But how will you be remembered? How will you be spoken of? What is the testimony and how will people testify after the funeral? After the wake in some cultures? How will we be remembered? Our legacy, our heritage, our children's inheritance from us. It's imperative that we build a spiritual and godly legacy for our sons and our daughters or for the children here in this church because we are a collective and we are a family. But what have I done to build my legacy? How am I to be remembered? What are they going to inherit from me? I pray that it's a consistency living for God no matter what, not blowing with the winds of doctrine, not here one minute backslidden the other, but consistent, holding on to the words of God and the precepts of God in the good times and the bad times. That's what I pray, that my Titus and my Abigail and my Gideon will inherit from me that I lived for God to the end. But how will us individually be remembered? If we are not careful, our legacy can be forfeited. We could sign off our legacy and throw it all away with those years of building it up. We're going to talk about that tonight. But do we stop and think, no, death is way down the road. We don't know. My life, God could call me home on the way home tonight. I could taste death tonight. I cannot wake up tomorrow morning. My heart could just give out. My cousin who was five years older than me, died within a week of a brain tumor. Diagnosed on a Monday and died on a Friday. Five years older than me. Three children left behind. My cousin Eric. That quick. Life is short. The Bible says that we are that fading in the wind. We're here as that flower that is this fading. Life is short. And God put us on this earth to make a difference. Not to go through the motions, not to waste a day, not to waste an hour, not to waste a minute, but to build a legacy, not only just for our children, but those that we encounter. 
What have we done with it? Have we wasted it? Or have we invested in it? It's kind of like a retirement plan. You've got to invest. And when the time comes that you retire and you have nothing in retirement, you're going to be hurting. It's the same thing with the legacy. If I don't invest in that retirement of the legacy, I'm in trouble when I give up the ghost. Pastor talked about us in the coffin. We're going to have our own physical coffin, but how are we to be remembered? What have we done as apostolics? What have we done for our families? Because there's fathers and mothers in this place. There's individuals that are leaders and mentors in this church. What have we done to build a legacy for the next generation? Or those that have never tasted and saw that the Lord were good, and they may be 40 years old. Our legacy is for those that we encounter in our community. But have we built it up? Have we established a, a heritage for them? Have we built up our legacy for those that we work with or those that we encounter at Walmart or those that we encounter wherever we go? Is it a legacy or is it a heritage wasted? Or is it invested in? The Lord will tell us. There's an assessment at the end where the Lord will tell us our legacy. Amen. Throughout history... A legacy was one of the most valuable things an individual could have. In ancient times, going back to Greece, going back to Mesopotamia, even going to the Middle Ages, one of the greatest rewards was building glory for oneself. Now, don't take this in context that we're here to build up ourselves. Just go with what history teaches. That was to strive to be remembered. Your name would be written in the Chronicles, and your great exploits would be sang. There would be poems written about your exploits in battle and how you grew your kingdom or how you served your king, how you served your queen. That was the greatest reward. We have those oral traditions of look at how so-and-so did this great thing in battle and did this great exploit. Many uh, historic or, excuse me, heroic epics were written because of what these individuals do. I say the name King Arthur, and everybody remembers. King Arthur, they believe, was a historical figure, and legend came about what he did. I say Hercules, and people remember. Even though he was 3,000 years ago, people today remember, Correct. He was a historical figure, but myth was a big thing for the Greeks. I've got to fight, and I've got to do great things for glory. So I am remembered because these individuals in ancient times understood that my story, my legacy, my heritage, how I am remembered is more valuable than my own life. They wanted to be remembered for generations upon generations. I think about a Nebuchadnezzar. We remember him today, don't we? Outside of this biblical text, he's remembered. I say Robin Hood. Does it all come to mind? Robin Hood is believed to be an actual historical figure. There's actually eight individuals that possibly took on the name. But do you see how a heritage is reminded? I say President Washington, we remember, 200 years ago. Do you see what a legacy does? Do you see how we're remembered becomes history. But if we're not careful, what we do fades in time and fades in history. 
It was the greatest things to be written in the Chronicles. It was the greatest thing to be written in history. It was the greatest thing for your name and your family to do great exploits through your kingdom, through your civilization. But you know what? One of the greatest insults and punishments that were when it came to the Middle Ages or ancient times, as they stood before that judge, as they stood before that king and one of the, or the emperor, the czar, whoever it may be, been, they said... Before you're put to death, I want you to know one thing. And they said, okay, great king, have mercy on us. He said, I'm going to take your life. I am going to kill your entire family. I am going to blot your name from this current time. But not only that, I am going to remove your name from history so nobody will ever remember you. That was one of the greatest punishments in the time of antiquity, in ancient times and in the Middle Ages, where a king would blot your name from history because he knew that it was to remove your legacy. Your legacy is being written right now for your children and your sons and your daughters for the next generation. Not only that, for the individuals that need to be born again of water and of spirit, but how are we treating, how are we taking care of, how are we maturing and progressing our legacy? Glory is what they desired. Let my name be remembered. But the biggest punishment was... I remove you and nobody will ever remember you. I'm wondering how many families in history were erased. I think about biblical history. I say Jesus 2,000 years ago. A carpenter from Nazareth is remembered today. What a legacy. I think about a Paul. I think about a, a Benjamin. I think about a Moses. I think about a David. Their names are etched in legacy, and it is a heritage in Jewish tradition, passing on the exploits of the Jewish people, and the exploits of God was everything. Teach your children day when they wake up. Teach your children when they walk. Teach your children when you, they go down. Teach your children in the schools. Read the law every seven years because they understood the importance of a legacy and a heritage. Otherwise, it's forgotten. And brought it from history. That transcends into the New Testament. Every disciple and every apostle. How would we have remembered them today? How would we have known about them today? Unless they established a legacy. God said write it down. Because they have a worthy legacy. Annotated in my word. Because they have a righteous legacy. And God is writing down your legacy here tonight. Whether you realize it or not, in the heavenly places, God is annotating your history. God is writing down your heritage. And God is writing down who you are in this kingdom. And there's scripture that we're going to talk about. We are put on this earth for a short time. I don't live 500 years. I don't live 900 years anymore. It says that God has shortened the days that the very elect will scarcely be saved Because if we lived 500 years, we backslide 500 years until the Lord came. He shortened the days so people understood that time is short. And it could be a a true and consistent and heartfelt walk with God. Not just going through the motions. Your legacy and heritage. The moment that you are born, the moment you take your first breath, your heritage begins. 
The moment that you're born again of water and spirit, your legacy is created in birth. And what you do from it is now in your care. What are we doing with our story? How are we going to be remembered? How am I going to be in the history books? What are people going to say after I'm in the ground? I pray it's spiritual. I think about us as individuals. We have such short time on this earth. And God wants us to grow as a people. It says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people that should show forth praises of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says that you're royalty. We're no longer peasants. That means that I've got to act like royalty. I have to behave like royalty. I have to conduct myself as royalty. Because when I was in the world, I was a peasant. But God put a spiritual royal cloak over me when I was born again of water and of spirit. But if we are not careful, we begin to act like the worldly peasants. It's not to minimize, but I've got to be spiritually royalty. I am a child of the king. I can't talk like the peasant. I can't act like the peasant. I can't have a demeanor or an attitude like a peasant. I've got to be spiritual royalty. Amen. I am a royal generation. But what a dangerous, dangerous thing it is on this earth is when we lack ambition. You know what I mean by that? I have, what's your five-year plan? Sometimes it's hard. It's not easy on the spot. You've got to really think about it. Evangelist Simmons could say, you know, can contest to this. She's an assistant principal. Every interview question, what's your five-year plan? Um, yeah. It's hard. But what's your plan? What's your five-year plan in this kingdom of God? Because God requires us to grow. I can't have the milk anymore. Some of us are going back to the bottle. Some of us are even hanging out with the sippy cup. My son could throw a sippy cup from 0 to 60 miles an hour in 2.6 seconds and put it along the side of the wall. God requires us to have the meat. And there's apostolics worldwide that have been born again of water and of spirit. But we are satisfied with the milk. What's my legacy? But the dangerous place to be in is not having any ambition. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I have no goals. I'm not going to achieve anything. I'm just going to stay here. That happens in the secular, and that happens in the spiritual. Amen. Have we known individuals that we come across in our life that have zero ambition to do anything with their life? Now, I'm not talking just the transitional period. I've been there, but I'm talking about years of it. It's the same thing spiritually. God has called you to a purpose in his kingdom, and he has set you up to have the potential to re reach that expectation, but we have no ambition to get there. What's our legacy? God wants us to grow. 
God wants us to mature in his word. God wants us to become Christ-like. God wants us to illuminate his light. God wants us to not be the same person I was 10 years ago to, to perpetuate myself into his kingdom. But one of the most dangerous things is a lack of goals and ambition in this kingdom. When my, when my daughter dates at 36 years old, I'm just going to tell the boy, run. But when my daughter dates at 36 years old, and she comes to me and says, Dad, this boy said he loves me. That's great. But if the only ambition he has in his life is to get alone with you, to find a lonely place with you, to be alone with you in the dark place, you need to kick him to the curb. Lack of spiritual ambition or a lack of physical ambition. Once again, that's 36 years from now, so we're good. But that's how it should be, and we need to be very careful what we encourage in this church. If it's not kosher with pastor, we got to be careful what we encourage because it's a legacy at stake. Amen. You know, when it comes to an individual's life, an individual's funeral tells the most about their life. In their death, it tells the most about their life. I remember losing a very precious assistant principal last year. She was my mentor when I first started teaching. She was there in my hardest of times to encourage me. She was there encouraging. She had the heart for the students. She had the heart for the teachers. And she was a, a great mentor. And I really cared for her because she was in my early years of teaching. And unfortunately, last year, she died immediately from a brain aneurysm. It was hard. I just had an email from her the day before. And I go back into my lesson plans, and, and I see her name in our previous communications, but she's gone. So I, I had the opportunity to go to her funeral. And when you go to a funeral, I've been to 250 memorials in the Army and I've been, I've officiated, I've had the honor and the privilege and very humble to officiate a funeral before. And you look at a funeral, it is a time of sadness, it is a time to miss the individual that was gone, but those born again of water and spirit, it is a celebration. But I want you, one day we're going to have to go to a funeral, let's just be honest. But look at the people that come. I remember talking to her parents and of course, there's, she was, you know, a little bit older in life, but her, her parents were still there. Her family was still there. And I couldn't imagine the grieving of a parent to outlive a child. Man. And I remember telling them, I want you to turn around. And it was standing room only in that memorial service. And I said, look at the impact that your daughter had in her community. Look at the impact that she had on all the lives. And I just talked to some of them. It was teachers from 15 years ago in another state that flew down just to go to her funeral. Oh, I just met her. I was at Walmart. And she'd always say hi to me, and I wanted to come. How are we to be remembered? I've been to funerals when it's two people. How are we to be remembered? What is our legacy? On the spiritual side, who's going to be at our spiritual funeral talking about the things that we've done in this kingdom? 
I want us to think about it and really honestly reflect on it tonight. Lack of ambition is dangerous. It's deadly. Lack of goal-seeking spiritually is deadly. Lack of the desire to grow in God is deadly. That's why pastors talked about it, mentioned it last time I preached. Zeal one day, backslidden the other. Because the lack of the desire to grow. The lack to be consistent to lead the legacy. Not understanding that it's being thrown away. It could be recovered because God is a God that is merciful and a God of countless second chances. But our spiritual heritage, what are we doing with it? Because we can die leaving this place today. And how are we to be remembered spiritually? What is going to be said at our funeral? What is going to be uttered at our funeral? I pray in Jesus' name I hear well done and good and faithful servant. But I want it to be a celebration because I'm going home to Jesus. Amen. I want you to tell stories of all the good things that God has done in this church. Amen. Psalms 145 and 4. I'm, I'm going to go through several scriptures and we're coming to the closing of this. And, and I pray that we're really reflecting because if we're not careful, we waste time on our inheritance. We waste time on our legacy. We want quality legacy for the children that we have been bestowed. And we want a quality legacy for those in our community. It said, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. How are we to have another generation, whether it's our children or those not born again of water and spirit, if we do not build a spiritual legacy? If we are wasting our time being in the same place we were when we were first born again of water and of spirit. We are not the church of the green carpet anymore. We are the church about to go to Rancier and to be into a new generation. We've got to grow. We've got to mature. We've got to grow in the gifts of the Spirit. We've got to grow in submission and obedience. We cannot revert back to who we were before we were born of water and of Spirit. We have to be royalty. Our name etched in the history books of salvation. Amen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12-15. through 15. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you Always in remembrance of these things. Do not neglect your inheritance. Do not neglect what God has bestowed upon you because God has called you from some of the darkest recesses of the world. Yes or no? God has saved you from some of the worst places that this world and Satan has worked into this society. We can't be negligent. We cannot neglect it. We can't just leave it by the wayside of your remembrance, your heritage, and your legacy. What am I going to leave for my children? Are they just going to see the same dad that was in the world? The same dad that he was 10 years ago? Or is he going to see growth and a legacy? Remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Next verse, please. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You see how it's said twice. Said twice. First mention, second mention. Next verse. Knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Next verse. 
Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter coming to the end of his life knowing this is my heritage. I'm about to decease. I'm about to go. And how am I going to be remembered? Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 through 21. 6 and 33, it's not in my notes, but just allow me to reiterate. Seek ye ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We forget to seek first the kingdom of God. Our legacy and our heritage. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where the thieves do not break through nor steal. Next verse. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. It's my legacy of the world. Or is my legacy the kingdom of God? It's quite evident on our day-to-day operations where our heart is. It's quite evident how we are with our community where our heart is. It's quite evident when we interact with each other, we cannot decipher between the world and apostolics. It's quite evident. My heart, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen. Our spiritual inheritance, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. Everybody is going to taste death. And everybody is going to stand here. I'd like you to read your future. Allow me to tell you your future. Every single one of us is going to stand before God. Every single one of us is going to have to give an account for our legacy. Every single one of us is going to have to stand before the creator of the universe and give account to how we live for him. And where our heart was. And where our legacy was. Where our passion was. Where our ambition was. Where our goals were. And he said, I saw, this is John the Revelator, sing the great white throne judgment at the end of the book of Revelation. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Your legacy was open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those that were written in the books according to thy works. You're going to be judged on the works of the 66 books in this Bible, and we have to pray every single one of us that our our name is etched into the Lamb's book of life. That is our legacy. That is what we have to strive for. It's not our friends that do it. It's not our collective or our fellowship that does it, but it's our relationship and our passion and our ambitions and goals with God. Every single one of us, I will be standing in line with you. We may have 16 trillion people between us, but I will be in line with you on this day. And there's no excuses on that day. No excuses of why we're not found in the Lamb's book of life. We have to be etched in the Lamb's book of life, and we are judged according to our works. What have we done for our legacy? Well, I've done this, had the good job, and nothing wrong with a good job. You have to work. You have to provide. Otherwise, you're worse than an infidel. Amen, especially if you're a man. Consider the ant thy sluggard. Talking about work, but our spiritual work. It's not just coming to church every day, even though that is spiritual. 
Coming to church consistently is imperative and it is a commandment, but that alone will not get you into that book. I could be part of the Hands of Praise or the Ensemble or Bible Jeopardy. I could do all the extracurricular things, which is outstanding. It's imperative for the success and the birth of this church. But that alone does not get me into the works, does not get me into the Lamb's Book of Life. It's where my heart is. Because if it was just works alone, we'd be living in the Old Testament where it was nothing but works and actions because it was a foreshadow of what was to come. But everything is about the heart. Adultery in the heart. Murder in the heart. Lying in the heart. Idolatry in the heart. Where is our heart? And if my heart has no ambition spiritually, I'm in trouble with my legacy. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, my last verse tonight. And I pray that we are truly reflecting because our children are at stake. The children of this church are at stake. The preteens are at stake. The youth are at stake. Every backslidden individual outside of this church is at stake. Everybody that has not been born again of water and of spirit is at stake. Here we go. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. What is your legacy? But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Next verse. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name haven't I cast out devils? And in my name done many wonderful works. Hearts. Faith without works is dead, but works alone will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. It's your heart. It's your attitude. It's what you say. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That is a glimpse of your heart. Next verse, please. Oh, thank you. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of inequity, or ye that work inequity. Remember how I said in ancient times, what inspired this? In ancient times, a king would blot a name from history. I don't know you. That's what Jesus is going to do that day. I don't know your legacy. I don't know your heritage. I don't know who you are. You came to my church, but I don't know who you are. You came and, and danced, but I don't know who you are. You prophesied in my name, but I don't know who you are. I don't know your legacy. I don't know your heritage. Yes, you did great things to help build the kingdom, but I still don't know who you are. And you're erased from the history books, just like in ancient or middle-aged times. What are we leaving behind? How are we going to be remembered as we stand to our feet tonight? And my wife comes. I pray that it's true introspection because we're about to go into a new season and death is around the corner from all of us. Some of us are going to taste it before the other one. But what are we leaving behind? God, check my heart. God, check my spirit. Allow me to say what the greatest king in Israel said. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me the right spirit, O God. Have mercy on me, God, according to thy loving kindness. There's an opportunity to build up the legacy. But God, I, I came to the altar and cried, but I still don't know you because your heart is not building the legacy. I'm glad that you came to church every, every service, but that alone is not your legacy. It's a commandment. There's individuals that don't even come to church that tithe. 
There's millionaires that tithe, and they don't go to a church. They tithe to a church, but they don't go to a church. Where is our heart here tonight? Where is our desire for ambition in the things of God? Not only the things of God, but what am I going to do in my life on this earth? What are my goals spiritually? God, change our hearts. God, really refine us. God, search us here tonight. These altars are open, God. I pray that the word has gone out and penetrated a heart of stone, penetrated complacency, penetrated lack of ambition. And God, begin to work because it's your word, God, that we proclaim to the atmosphere. God, search our heart, God, for our children's sake. Search our heart, God, for the children and the youth, God, of this particular local assembly, God, and those that we encounter in the community. God, I pray that those that we encounter remember us as your children and your royalty, God. Search our hearts tonight, God, for the sake of my son, for the sake of my daughter, for the sake, God, of these children. God, I don't want my complacency or lack of ambition to send somebody to hell. God, search our hearts because we have a new season coming. God, move into this place, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My wife is going to play. These altars are open. Come and pray. Come and search. Come and refine your legacy and your heritage. God, show us the way.